The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Just checking the clock here. Oh, yeah, still morning. Uh, We have begun that one thing that brings the happiest time of year. We are into the final countdown. It's winning time. There are just a handful of games left in the regular season before the playoffs get here. And it's it's winning time. It's separating the boys from the men. Insert 12, 15 other cliches between the two of us. Sure. And let's talk about the rest of the show. All right, let's do it. Uh, so Thursday, I believe it was maybe Friday. I forget. Uh, I put up a quick poll. Um, because I wanted to see where people's heads were at now about Taylor Hall. Uh, we did a poll a couple of weeks back, um, probably a month or two back. Uh, might've even been before he was traded for Mm -hmm. about, uh, Taylor Hall, his value, yada, yada, yada. Um, but we'll stick to this poll for the moment. Um, question of the week. Yes. Taylor Hall, how many more years would you be willing to resign him for? Um, the questions were, the answers were one. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I thought if you were asking me, because I don't answer our polls, I try to not influence the answers. Uh, the answers are one year max, two to three okay. years, yep, four years plus, okay. or nope. 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 So hopefully, hopefully, nope got you know zero. See, that's the thing. I I am in no way surprised that about twenty percent uh, of our listeners um, came up with very little trust. Um, okay. because 17%, 17.2% voted for nope. 3.4% voted for one year. So 17.2 and 3.4. So 20.6% of our audience is overly cautious. Yes. That's a good way to put it. I, I didn't want to say wrong, but overly cautious, overly cautious. Yes, that would be it. Because to have 10 points in 11 games versus uh, Rick Nash's six <laughs> points in 11 games at and a we, much lower price. I was going to say, did, did we only we only paid a little bit for Rick Nash, right? Only only mortgage the future and then defaulted. Yeah. Yeah. OK, just check. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we paid a second round pick in Anders Bjork for Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. Mm hmm. Hmm. Let's see. Which deal was better? Hmm. I, I don't know. I think it, I think this is a good deal that we're going to have to wait like five or six years to be able to tell. You so know, in own- those five or six years, the other guys that we traded for Rick Nash will probably pick up Norris Trophy nominations and All Star appearances. But um, well, I'm pretty sure that one of the guys is already a top pairing defenseman for the New York Rangers. So. But, that hey, was, it's it's too soon to tell. The best be deal real. was made at the time. 
That would be Ryan Lindgren. In case who those... I personally flipped out when he was it was announced he was being traded. <laughs> I don't understand that. He's now top pairing with Adam Fox on the New York Rangers. Hmm. And yeah. Oops. And that's not and that's a fairly deep, admittedly very young, but fairly deep defense squad. We're well, going to be talking young. about I mean, them Keandre over the next Miller five years. And, oh, yeah. And people are going to say, where did this defense core come from? And the two of us are going to look at them like, do you even hockey, bro? <laughs> exactly. OK, Ryan Lindgren came from Boston, you, you know, from the Bruins. Adam Fox is from Massachusetts, uh, from the University of Massachusetts. So their top pairing came from the state of Massachusetts. OK, then. OK, Andre Miller, who you loved even more than I did, uh, is on their second pairing, I believe. Um, yeah. And they're all, what, under 23, under 24, something like that? Okay. Yeah, like none of them can rent a car. Or, uh, none <laughs> of them can, like, get good car insurance rates at this point. So, yeah, I'm going to think that the Taylor Hall deal might be a little bit better. I know my personal answer to this, now that we've done the poll, would be the two to three years. Uh, he's, what, 29 now? Turns 30 in November. I was going to say, is he approaching 30? But okay, he's not 30 until the end of the year. So uh, I would certainly give him a three-year deal uh, in affordable. And I know that you and I have talked about it, tweeted about it, how much he's going to, you know, is he going to get seven? Should he get seven? Should he get eight? I would not be going back to the eight number again. I I don't know that he would ask for the eight number if he were going to get like a five-year deal. Um, and I don't see anyone signing him past five years unless they're a complete moron. Um, so it remains on the table. Um, but do you, do, I mean, if you can get him three years, say 19 and a half. Is he, that's, I, I don't know if he's going to agree to it. I know that if I could get him three years, 19 and a half mil, what, what, so that works out to six, what? Six and a half per. Uh, six and a half per. Um. Six, twelve, eighteen, nineteen, five. Yeah, six and a half per. I think. Would, would you take him three years at six and a half million per year? Oh, I'd take him. Yes. It, would he take would it? He is the sign question. That? I don't <laughs> think so. Because realistically, his next contract is his last big contract before he turns 35. And you're unless you're very, very close with your general manager and successful and super healthy um, and super productive, you're going to get one and two year deals. And they're not going to be at high risk because of the of the collective bargaining agreement. Um so what would I you think? I think he's going to be asking for like seven, seven and a quarter by four years. Because oh, if he signs a four year deal, he will be under 35 at the end of it, meaning the next deal that he signs, which will, will still take effect before he turns 35. Which means that he can still sign 
more than well he can still sign more than two years i don't see anybody giving him more than that at 34 years old but depends on i mean it really depends on how healthy he is the, yeah. over the last two years of the next contract or the, over the last next few years i mean if he plays 80 and 82 80 to 82 games or even 75 to 82 games each season and it's you know he's got the flu or something like that yeah he's going to get signed to one or two year deal if he's still putting up 25 goals <sighs> If I could get him to sign uh, for okay, if he wants a four year deal I I'm doing quick math in my head here. Would you go five by seven? Five years, seven million year, thirty five total. If I'm going to stretch it out to five, I don't know if I'd want to go seven. I'd want to go like, if I'm going to, oh, shit. Um, uh, I don't know if I'd do it. I, my heart tells me yes. My head says slow down. Um, my my first thought was like four years at six and three quarters, but he's not. I, I don't. You're right. I don't think he's going to sign for under seven. Uh, I mean, at six and three quarters, if I'm him, I'm saying, OK, but I need three years of no movement, flat out full no movement. And then a 10 and then a 10 team trade list not the 10 team no trade list but a 10 team trade list after that okay because if i'm going to be traded at over 30 years old i'm going to a contender or i'm not moving well i don't I don't necessarily okay. I don't necessarily want him to move in the first two years if I'm going to sign him. No, you really don't. I mean, but it's uh, it's one of those it's one of those questions that it's not going to be easy to balance if they're if they're relatively far apart. Yeah, so five, I, I don't even know if I go five, though. I think I like the four better. So four by seven, is that? 28 mil? Yeah. Okay. I think I think that's a really fair deal for both sides. Um, okay. partic- I'll take it, yeah. Particularly if you can get Krejci back in the fold somewhere under the cap for two additional years. Can you believe that they have finally found line mates for Krejci that produce? Yeah, I guess. I mean, Krejci has pretty much had every single winger that's come through the system since he's been like, I don't know, on the team. (laughs) I mean, it's been a while since he had anyone he really gelled with. Wasn't the count at one point like 122 or something different wingers that he's had? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he's been with he's been with Boston after after Bergeron. He's the second longest 
tenured player on the team. Yeah. Bergeron has had Marchand and mostly Pasternak the last three, four years. But Krejci has had everybody. Everybody. Like, literally, if you're a winger or a center and you're not, your name is not Bergeron, you have played multiple shifts in the same game with David Krejci. <laughs> I mean, literally everyone. Sean Corrali, Coleman, uh, um, Wagner, uh, Michael Ryder played with him uh, uh, at some point. I'm pretty um, sure the equipment guy played with him at one point. The equipment guy, like, <laughs> they're... I think the I think the anthem singer uh, took two shifts with him uh, in the preseason of like tw- uh, of like 2012. Rene Rancor, or, uh, I was going to say Rene Rancor or Todd Angeli. Both. <laughs> Both. <laughs> well, actually, that's believable considering how many people have played. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's literally absurd the number of wingers that have come through this team. I, I, it, it's partly funny. because they can't they they have had a really poor record for drafting right wings and they keep trying to turn centers into right wings and it it hasn't worked i mean you can go back in time and look at and and the, the number of stories of who do you put on Krejci's right wing who's gonna you know what what is Krejci you know what is Krejci gonna do with wingers who's gonna Searching for support for David Krejci. It's it's like the stories just go on and on, on and on. And it's it's literally the same story that we've seen with uh, that we saw with uh, Sidney Crosby for years. Like every year, they would draft or trade for or sign in the off season someone to sign someone to play with Crosby. And a month later, those guys were on Evgeny Malkin's line. Oh, hey, he had Wheeler on his line. He had Wheeler on his wing at one point. Yep. Now, remember when they drafted Pasternak, the original belief was that he was going to be on Krejci's line because they were the same nationality and they could communicate. I mean, (laughs) it's not that they were a bad pairing. It's just that the the mix with Bergeron and, and Marchand is absolute magic. Wait, wait, I've got some names for you. Go. Jerome McGinley. Yep. David Backus. Yep. David Pasternak. Yep. Spooner. Louis Erickson. Jake DeBras. Danton Heinen. Carson Kuhlman. Anders Bjork. Seth Griffith. Yep. <laughs> oh, God, he must have had the uh, the one-eyed purple people eater, too. Yeah, he's had Andre Kasha. <laughs> for 10 minutes yep <clears throat> i'm i'm sorry but the, I, the list goes on and on and on make sure you tweet the li- tweet the list because i want to take a look at it and it really <laughs> is hilarious how lo- how many players he has played with okay i mean some of it is just a tribute to his longevity um which given that he has never been the fleetest of foot player in the league um, is somewhat amazing, especially when you consider the number of times in his first, what, four seasons where he would get absolutely blindsided and like trucked at least once a week. Yeah. Like 
flattened. Um, David Krejci, yes. Which is why, which is why, after they dealt Blake Wheeler, they David. Uh, you know, oh, hey, speaking again, flattened. Um, no, but he had Blake Wheeler and Michael Ryder, and according mm-hmm. to this, according to what I'm looking at, his first. His first seasons with Wheeler and Ryder, he actually put up 125 points in 161 games. They were good linemates. Yes. After that, after that, they had Milan Lucic and Nathan Horton. I don't know. Which know that. I don't know. He got trucked much after that, though. That <laughs> well, his ice awareness improved. He actually remembered to turn his head and look for other players, um, other than the people he was passing to. Uh and but yeah, Nathan Horton and Milan Lucic as a line as line mates for him. That was the most complete hockey line he's ever played on and probably ever will play on, given the stage of his career, because Nathan Horton was a lot faster than most people gave him credit for. Um, David Krejci's uh, pass making and playmaking ability are at a level that very, very few players in the history of the league have ever touched. And Milan Lucic at that stage of his career was still above league average in speed. He had, he had a 62 unprecedented point power. Oh, um, yes. And like he had that goal. He still had that goal scoring touch. Like he could get to the net, but he could make his shots from a decent number of places on the ice. And the three of them, the three of them were like, just imagine for a minute having Matt line and the Raptors line on the same team. Like the, that Bergeron Marsh and uh, Pasternak as the one line. And then the Lucic, Krejci, Horton line together, two completely different lines. If you're the, if you're the opposing coach, how the heck do you defend against that? Mm-hmm. Because the Bergeron line is high-level finesse. They refuse to be intimidated. Great speed. I mean, even Bergeron, even at 30 and a lot with 15, what is he? Did he pass 1,500 games already? Uh, or he's closing in on it. Um He's still he's still got decent legs. He's not he's certainly not going to win any uh, any races at the All Star game, but he's in the right place a high percentage of the time. Not just because of his brains, but because he can still skate. And then then that Krejci Lucic Horton line, which was the which was probably the last true power line in the NHL. Those guys were brutal physically. Uh, They could run you over in no time. Uh, Bergeron is at 1138 regular season games, 149 playoff games, um, and somehow still stuck at four Selkie awards. (sighs) And the thing is, this year he might not even get it because he's got a guy on his on his left that um, everyone's finally noticed is good. You think? 
is actually, I mean, I've heard on many broadcasts that Bergeron, I mean Bergeron, that Marshawn should be getting consideration for it, for, for the Selkie. And the and heart. He, he should be getting consideration for the heart as well, yes. I mean, he had 14 goals in, in a month with the ridiculous schedule that was played. They played 17 games in 31 days. 17. That's literally mind-boggling. It just it, it it sucks that the awards are somewhat popularity contests. Yes. Because unfortunately, that 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 guy up in Edmonton is probably going to get it again. So poll results: fifty-six, fifty-eight point six are comfortable with a two-year, three-year deal, and twenty point seven were happy with a four plus. I think uh, I. I mean. To me, it comes down to terms. Yeah. Like, it comes down to cash, no movement clauses, things like that, uh, no trade clauses. Um, beyond he's hit, that. He's hit the marks that we, I mean, we talked about it at the trade de- on the trade deadline special. He's And he's pretty much hit the mark that you set as far as whether we should resign him or not. Because you said I, I was ungodly high and said seven goals and 17 points, which to be quite honest at the time would have been like a point per game or maybe slightly less. Yeah. But he's at 10 points in 11 games, 11 games. It's on a brand new team. It's still doable that he could hit those marks. I'm not saying he has games left. Yeah. I'm not saying he has to, but you more realistically said four goals and 11 points. He's at 10 points. (laughs) <laughs> and he's already hit the goal mark because he's got five of them. He had two in 37 games with Buffalo. Now, yes, Eichel was out for a lot of the time because he was injured, but he never gelled with that team. That's because I think he walked in the door with hope, and I don't know how many players on that roster actually have any. Because Jeff Skinner is not the Jeff Skinner we've seen in the past. Yes, Kyle- no, not at all. Kyle Ogposo is completely invisible. Is he still even on the roster? Um, he's. Uh, I and mean, I'm he's not saying that to be funny. Games. Okay, but I'm not saying that to be funny. I it, it just I never see him. It, it's didn't pretty hear much, his name even once uh, during the last game. Well, I don't know if he was on the roster or not. It's pretty much the it's pretty much the Casey Middlestat show up there, and and um, Sam Reinhart. Sam Reinhart. Yeah, Sam Reinhardt's pretty much carrying that team. I mean, they got Rasmus Osplund and they got, you know, the Rasmus, Rasmus trio. Bowling and Rasmus uh, Ristolainen. And isn't there enough? Isn't there a fourth Rasmus ro- rolling around there? I'd have to look it up. I knew of three. So the Rasmus trio. I feel bad because Uko Pekalukan and got hurt last night. Yeah, that looked like a groin and it doesn't look like he. I will be surprised if he makes it back in before the end of the season because that was. I think they just shut him wrong. down. Yeah, that looked it looked bad the way his leg was bent under the way his leg was bent under him up against the post. By the time he got it kicked out and whatnot, it was yeah, it was it was ugly. Uh, um, and Rasmus Dalene probably needs to, even allowing for the size difference. He probably needs to not get in Marshan's face again. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's usually not a good idea anyway. 
uh, he should look up what happened to the last six something guy to get in Marshan's space. <laughs> is Rasmus Dalin a six something guy? I didn't think he was that big. He's six one, uh, a six three two oh seven. David Pasternak and Rasmus Dalin go at it, and a full Donnie Brook breaks out. I missed that one. A full Donnie Brook is, uh, oh, is a is a little bit lively of a description. Oh, but okay. There were probably at least five pairs of gloves and at least four helmets on the ice. Oh, fun stuff. I'm Players were unhappy with each other. Well, that Which was the whole point this season. Playing somebody eight times, we were going to have those issues. Hmm. Yes, yes. And what Which is- makes the argument about rivalries. Um, it just underscores how right certain people were talking about it for the last decade. Don't even have to be. Don't. It doesn't even have to be the two of us. Could be Jack Edwards. Could be Jack Edwards, Andy Brickley, <laughs> um, Craig Simpson has even talked about it. Uh, the need like, for the need for rivalries in hockey is what generate. I, I mean, you want to talk about generating interest? That's one of the ways you need to bring back playing your rivals more than four times a year. And you know what? As much as I would like to see more teams. I I think that only playing eight teams in a season or seven or eight teams is too few. Yeah. But I don't think you need to see all 30 to all 31 other teams now and welcome uh, to the Kraken who are officially members of the NHL, even if they don't have a, uh, even if they don't have players signed yet, they don't have players signed. They still don't have a head coach. Although, I don't want to say rumor and speculation. I guess speculation would be a better word uh, is that Bruce Boudreau is in consideration. Although I don't know that Bruce Boudreau, Bruce Boudreau would necessarily be the right coach for a brand new team. Um, and I know it's mean, not even a topic that we had on our list, but yeah, they finally paid off the last of the 650 mil. Woo-hoo. Yes. <laughs> just to join the league. And that's nothing. And that doesn't cover anything else. Nope. Um, that's not, you know, player salaries, renovations to the arena, uh, arena copyright, nice, copyright registrations, um, the affiliate uh, AHL affiliate or the other, you know, half oh. a billion dollars you're going to spend. Oh, no. 650 mil. That's just so that you can join. That's, that's a league. ticket to the dance. There you go. That's it. It's That's all literally it. a ticket to the dance. <laughs> 650 mil just gets you in the door. Just get you in the door. But congratulations. Welcome to the show. And, and you've got a lot to live up to because Vegas set the bar pretty high for inaugural seasons. <laughs> uh, nearly impossibly high. Um, okay. While we're out on the West Coast, um, yes. a disturbing allegation has arisen about uh, Jake Bertanen. I mean, we actually talked about this pre-show, whether we're, it, 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 is it something that we should mention, but unfortunately it is NH, it is news. It's out there. Um, uh, Vancouver Canucks have placed Jake Bertanen on leave. Now this, the thing with this, Allegation is it's more than two years old. Uh, it's actually over three years old at this point because it, it was the original 
event was apparently tweeted about without his name attached to it in 2017. Um, but the police, when contacted, said that there was no NHL player named in any allegations to them, which means there's also no charges. Um, I hope that... I hope that who that the woman who was hurt uh, or who's making the allegations, whatever the outcome of this, gets what she needs and deserves. Um, because if this did happen and it was indeed Jake Rutanen, then he needs to be punished, and she needs she needs uh, counseling and support of her fa- friends and family. There are other possibilities. I mean, it says it says here in and and I'm looking at one particular paragraph sentence, I guess. In an email, Vancouver Police Constable Tanya Vicentin said the department's sex crimes unit has not received a complaint about an NHL player, but said the woman may have made a report to a different police department. Okay, so are we? They have not made aware of any reports of sexual assault by an NHL player. We are not able to provide names of people. That's fine, especially if it's an ongoing investigation. Yep. But it's been three years now. I know that. I, I, I'm. What's his name? Uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Kane. Patrick Kane went through this a few years ago. And that. That case was completely dismissed, uh, including by the alleged victim's mother. Um, And, you know, we saw the whole dismantling of Duke Lacrosse uh, several years back, and then the accuser recanting her story, uh, saying that she basically did it because she was mad at someone. Um, I I don't know any facts in this case, but it's interesting uh, and it's unfortunate because even if there was nothing done by Vertanen, uh, this is going to follow him for a while, probably a long while, and maybe even the rest of his life. And if this woman was hurt by whoever, him or others, um, someone someone really needs to be punished. Yeah, and I'm not defending Jake at all in this because there's the – there's at, no. At this there's point, no there's nothing to, to defend him against. That's what I. Yeah, that, I, I was trying to say that, and I just didn't know. It, there's no names. They're actually asking this person. Uh, it's a, in this. Uh, I've checked with our sex crimes unit, and they have not been made aware of any reports of a sexual assault committed by an NHL player. I will note that we are not able to provide names. Yep, yep, yep. We encourage the author of the post to call police to report any crimes. It it, it sounds like there's either communication issues or one hand doesn't know what the other's doing or there's. Yeah, if if he's done something wrong, he's got to take his medicine. End of story. But right now it doesn't sound like there's a story and it's three years ago and it's just coming up now. Yeah, I mean, the NHL takes this stuff more seriously than the other leagues. Um, what was the uh, – there was a 
King's defenseman who had a domestic violence uh, case brought against him. And Slava he was, Lina? yes, yeah, he's I mean, gone. he was, <laughs> he was effectively evicted from the NHL almost never, immediately. And um, never been back. And you've never heard his name again. <laughs> Not coming out of anyone in the Kings organization's mouth. Like just no. Um, so if this, if this is real, um, and as the accuser alleges, um, it's it, it will be dealt with to the ability of its ability or to the limit of its ability to be proved. Absolutely. And got more another. players. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say we got unfortunately. Uh, maybe we should get the negative out of the way so we can go back to the positives and smiling and happiness. Yeah. Jonathan Druin. Yeah. That's where I was going to go to. Uh, is going to be out for an undefined period of time. Um, it's listed as non COVID and not related to anything that happened in the Thursday warmups. Um, nothing, no, no specifics were given. Uh, in answer to a question, uh, the coach said that it was not to check himself into a, a substance abuse um, facility or program. And to be, I mean, to be honest, I don't want to speculate. I, I can say that based on the stories that I, that I've read, and this one in particular from Sportsnet, the team seems to know what's going on. Because at the very end, they're talking to Jake Evans, and the quote is literally, he's a great teammate, unbelievable player, he loves the game, he's a really fun person to be around, and that's all I can really say now. I won't say any more either, other than to repeat, I wishing Drew in well. Um, <clears throat> I mean, this could be anything from another variety of health issue to, uh, of his personally, Um it could be uh, the coach made mention of, you know, he's got a family, a girlfriend and a family outside, uh, outside of a life outside of hockey. Um, so it's fairly wide. I don't think that this is anything that could be called a personal failing of Jonathan Druins. Um, and I don't I don't believe that it's it doesn't appear to be injury injury related at all. Um, so best of luck to Jonathan Druin and the rest. Um, hopefully this is resolved and you can get back to, uh, your teammates and the ice real soon. Well, the only other quote in here that could, uh, again, don't like speculating, but, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, it looks like it's Dano who made this, who made the quote says, sometimes it's hard not to take what's said about us personally. We all want so badly to perform well and to bring pride to the jersey we wear. It's an extra pressure we put on ourselves, and sometimes it gets harder on the ice, but off the ice, too. Uh, That's interesting. Um, I missed that quote going through it myself. I mean, it might be... I mean, COVID has not made anyone a happier person or hasn't. And it, honestly, I don't think it's made very many people better people. Um, and if the this one, is, 
yeah. this is just stress related, well, not just stress, but if this is stress related, some well, form of anxiety, yeah. The actually the the one above it, it, it which is also dental, obviously it's it, it's before it says Montreal is such highs and such low such high highs and such low lows without much middle ground. When everything goes well, you're super up and very happy. When it's going less well, it's harder. He said, speaking for myself, and probably everyone feels the same, we put so much pressure on ourselves already, and it's amplified in Montreal. Well, no kidding, Original Six and and in Montreal, it's a letdown if you don't make... You don't win the cup. Yeah. We put it on ourselves, but we know how high the expectations are around us also. This sounds like a personal issue, and we need to respect his privacy in this. I know that I read somewhere that he's asked for, you know, and please respect his privacy. It could be a family issue. It could be anything, but it's that I don't believe it's any kind of physical injury. That's the only thing I can say that, you know, as far as if I'm going to speculate, I'm going to speculate that it's not a physical injury beyond that. I don't know, but I wish him well. I hope everything works out. And as much as it's been difficult in his career, he didn't seem to fit in well in Tampa. He seemed to fit better with Montreal. Mm-hmm. And I just wish him as much personal success and 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 recover a, a speedy recovery, if that's the right word for the situation. Yeah, a resolution maybe. Uh, but it sounds like again, like I said, it sounds like his teammates know what he know what it is, and they're not talking. And good for them. Okay, um, we we talk a lot <clears throat> about rookies most years. We haven't spent as much time on it uh, this year. Maybe it's because there's one guy who's almost certainly locked into uh, picking up the Calder uh, at the end of the season honors. Uh, but looking at Tim Stoltz, uh, uh, Stoltzy from the Senators, uh, I was struck by some Stutzla. Why do I never remember how to pronounce <laughs> that? <laughs> because it's spelled differently than it sounds. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's German. I was struck by something fairly interesting um Mm -hmm. the number has obviously changed a teeny tiny bit in the last couple of days but if you go through and you look at the rookie leaders in scoring yes uh there's something somewhat surprising when you look at uh when you get to uh tim stolze the fact that he's 19 years old no, even actually, it's somewhat. It's honestly, I'm I'm a little bit shocked to see it because he's done so well at every level. What am I missing then? I'm not seeing it. Um. So Kirill uh, Kaprizov has near is probably sealed the deal for his for the Calder, even though Jake Isn't Robertson or Jason in- Robertson has a better points per game percentage. This is uh, this is part of the issue I have with the Rookie of the Year award is because isn't Carol Kaprizov like six years older than Tim Stutzla? Hey, rookie's a rookie. First year in the NHL is first year in the NHL. Okay. 
Uh, now, yeah. Josh Norris, I would like to make a case for him. Okay. Um, Doesn't he also play for Ottawa? He does also play for Ottawa. Don't half the rookies in the league play for Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty close. But here are some interesting numbers um, that will uh, illuminate, provide some illumination. Okay. Kirill Kaprizov, 16.7. Jason Robertson, 13.2. Josh Norris, 17.7. Igor uh, Sharangovich, 13.9. New Jersey, yeah. Uh, Yane Kukinenin, 13.2. Yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. Uh, Pius Suter, 13.1. Tim, uh, and our boy Tim, 8.7. I know what you're, now I know what you're talking about. Shooting percentage. There it and is. And that's gone up since I originally added this to the uh, <laughs> added this to the show roster. So we're saying that he doesn't shoot an awful lot. No, he's sh- he's shooting about the same amount as most of the other guys because he's, he's got 103 shots on on net. Uh, he's just not scoring. Uh, Igor Sharanovich uh, has 108. Um, but you know, his shooting percentage is almost twice as high and it was about twice as high about five days ago. Um, I don't know if he's rushing his shots or taking a little bit too long to get the release off, but if he comes in and shoots the same amount next season and he's somewhere around 12 or 13% for shooting percentage, Mm Hmm. He's got an easy twenty goals in, in in next season. Easy. If he's if he hits like the thirteen to if he hits like the fourteen to sixteen range, yeah, he's at twenty five. That's that's a no brainer. So for him to be at eight point seven, and I think he was around six point eight when I first looked. Um, that's pretty remarkable. And Ty Smith, who is admittedly a defenseman and the highest ranked defenseman in points uh, among the rookies, is at 2.9%. Uh, he's also playing twenty over 20 minutes. Um, admittedly, it's on New Jersey's defense, but um, <laughs> okay. But still, 20 minutes as a rookie defenseman, it's not just that they trust your judgment. Um, it, and in a season like this, it's about trusting your conditioning. Um, because not, it's not ju- well, it, they're not playing a much longer season than in juniors, uh, or college, but every other day, no, <laughs> that's, that's still pretty impressive. Uh, so I think, I think people who maybe aren't impressed with these two this year, uh, should keep a close eye on them next year, a really close eye. So who's leading in shooting percentage? Uh, I mean, I guess uh, that's probably going to have to be, uh, I guess that's a question of how you want to define it. Um, Like if we go with people who have at least five goals. Oh, okay. Yeah. um, It's. Like, who have okay. at least five goals, shooting percentage. Yeah, but are we going to limit them to number of games as well? Because No, five goals is five goals. Uh, Michael Bunting of the Arizona Coyotes um, clearly needs to shoot a whole lot more. 
because his <laughs> shooting for, he's got nine goals in 17 games played 11 points and is a plus one on Arizona but he's only got 30 shots on goal yeah he needs to shoot more like I'm Archie looking at I'm looking at I'm looking Archie. at Josh Norris has 17.7 and he yeah. has the highest number of games played uh, Eli uh, Tolvanen, 19, uh, 19 shooting percentage, which is on the very high end of expectable. He's got 11 goals in 36 games. And Alexander Volkov and Jarrett Anderson Dolan both need to shoot a whole lot more because they're over 21% as well. Anderson Dolan is a good-looking player for L.A. <laughs> I will. I really wanted him to be drafted somewhere on the East Coast that we could probably name. Yeah. And no such luck. Um, no. But what yeah, draft was that? That was like two or three years ago, too. Uh, 2017 draft. He's yep. just 21 now. Second, um, round, second rounder, 41st overall. I don't even want to depress myself by going back and looking at the players <laughs> that they drafted uh, instead of him. Uh-huh. We can save that topic for off the air when I can swear more. Oh, um, okay, there you go. Yeah, sure. But, yeah, Stutzla definitely needs to – I don't know. Maybe all his shots are – coming in unscreened or I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Cause if he was missing the net, they wouldn't count his shots on goal. I can't say that he's got like early Marchand's disease when Brad Marchand, everything was high into the right. That was what a decade ago or something like he had. It was, it was a decade ago. Uh, everything was high into the right off the glass. And, and it was like, no dude, realign the net. The big red, the big red thing. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> but they wouldn't count his shots if he was missing like that. So clearly they're on net. He's, he's just, just not, not shooting enough. He's just not getting them by the goaltender. Oh, Stutzler, yeah. Stutzler, yeah. He, I, as I said, I don't know if he's taking too long to take get his shot off or if he's mm-hmm. shooting a little too quick and – or he might just be shooting directly at at the at the crest, uh, like a couple of players we could name uh, who have wandered through Boston. But uh, I'm looking at that 17 draft. Uh, I said I wasn't going to. I lied. You weren't supposed to look. You. <laughs> uh, the guy that Boston actually took after him, I am okay with them having drafted. The guy that they took before him. Yeah, if we could redo, I would uh, I would make that switch. <laughs> you said you weren't going to look. <laughs> yeah, I lied. Um, or I have no willpower. Take your pick. Well, well, unfortunately, the guy that we took before him would have ended up being whoever it was we took in the first round. And, yeah, I... Considering the names in this draft, there's some good names in this draft, actually. It, it, it was an interesting draft. I remember us talking about that that draft a lot. Yeah. Um, and L.A. did okay in this draft, actually. 
Alrighty then. You know what I'm going to have to do sometime between now and June 29th? Look at another draft. Um, <laughs> we actually have talked about do, redoing one of the drafts, and maybe in a couple of weeks, once the maybe in the week between the regular season and the playoffs, we'll do a poll on which on which draft to redo. But between now and June 29th, I'm going to have to get myself a Twitch account. Yeah, I don't have one of those. Because uh, the National Women's Hockey League, uh, the NWHL, is broadcasting their draft over Twitch. Um, and uh, let's see, the draft is open to all NCAA and U Sports players who have consumed all of their post-secondary athletic eligibility or players graduating from a university or other comparable educational institute resulting in a degree or certification acknowledged in the United States or Canada. Um, wait, players, wait, so they're not allowed to play one year and then? Uh, it doesn't sound like the one and done uh, thing is, is real. Wow, so the Charlie McAvoy's and the BC, uh, the BC crews. They actually want their players educated. Hmm. Weird. Yeah, I know that, that like that's tough to comprehend. Wow. <laughs> so they're on Twitch. Uh, may not sign as free agents ahead of the selection process. However, unselected players immediately qualify for free agency beginning at 9 a.m. Eastern time on June 30th. That's that's neat. Uh, I like that. Um I don't remember how, how that works for NHL viable uh, draft picks. Um, they, I know they, that there's a two or three year eligibility window. They kind of, they, yeah, they, well, they kind of, it also says here teams will have a two week window to exclusively sign their draft picks for the next season. Any selected players who go unsigned in this time frame will become eligible for free agency well, basically two weeks later, 9 a.m. on July 14th. There you go. Uh, you see, I, I, I kind of like that innovation. If you don't sign, you're free. <laughs> I, I really, really like that innovation over the way the NHL does it. Um, I mean, part of it is because they're di- they're waiting for players to graduate from college. I, I mean, there isn't the same sort of robust uh, junior hockey leagues for uh, women today as there are for men, and that may well change over the next 10 or 15 years. Um, but hopefully uh, the NWHL does a much better job of having clear and unambiguous rules for all players versus the USHL and the CHL and American colleges and Canadian colleges and Canadian high schools and American high schools mm. and European... I swear a third of the CBA must be covering the rules for where players come from and what can be done with them when. I would be inclined to agree. The one that the one and and I'm going to say it's sad. The the one downer is that I know they they put off the they put off the expansion of the new Montreal team. I don't know if that's due to current events or I believe that's probably due to current events because and realistically I think it's probably better for them better for the league 
because they I, they literally added the Toronto Six this year. Um, and I want to say that they added, didn't they add Minnesota or the Metropolitan the year before? Um, it was the Metropolitan one. I thought Minnesota. I'd have to look it up. I don't remember who. Um, I mean, if obviously if there's the players and the owners, go for it. Go, go, go. Grow, grow, grow. Um, I want to see it. I want to see it on TV. I want to go see it in person. Um, but Boston does not have the Boston pride do not have a pick until the third round. Yes. Even though they are, even though they would, they would have ordinarily have drafted third. Um, he thinks they might've spent some draft capital to, uh, win now. Well, considering Toronto is going to have three picks in a row in the first round. Hmm. Yes, they acquired one. <laughs> they acquired Go. one from Boston, and they acquired one from the Metropolitans, the Riveters. So they got three in the first round. They've got two in the second round. Toronto is uh, looking pretty looking pretty good in this draft, actually. <laughs> looking pretty. <laughs> Yeah, five rounds, six teams, 30 uh, young women will have their lives uh, changed forever. And I... I definitely think, yeah, they have, to get, they have time to get a Twitch account, even if it's just to watch the draft. Um, for those interested in the uh, where they can find draft... Um, uh, uh, you can find the draft information on uh, the NWHL website, um, nwhl.zone. Um, interestingly, there's actually a page for the players to draft uh, to register for the draft, uh, and that's nwhl.zone slash draft. Um, I think we're going to end up talking about this a couple more times before uh, before the draft kicks off. Um, it will be uh, one more time, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time on June 29th. Good deal. And speaking of uh, our favorite women in hockey, guess who tweeted a picture again? Um, favorite women in hockey. Mom? Mom, Mama Jones. Yes. Uh, There is a picture tweeted this morning, um, May 2nd, of Seth Jones in uniform with a nice little addition uh, to the uh, upper uh, pectoral region. He's got an A on the jersey. He's got an A on his jersey. There it is. There is something, of course, in the right spot there, but... uh, I think that letter might need to be upgraded at some point in the near future. Yeah, that's definitely going to change. It's going to move a couple letters down the alphabet when all is said and done. A for now, but yeah, that's definitely going to be changing to a. And it's in it's in it's in no way indicative of a quote unquote grade for his abilities. Uh, but it's going to change from an A to a C. If it doesn't, I'd be very surprised. 
But Mama Jones is right. I mean, it, it, that's uh, that is a, 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 that is a good sight right there. Yeah, that is a really pretty picture. <laughs> I mean, and and have you have you? I know that hockey moms are proud moms, and and they they've been you know getting up with their kids until five in the morning, you know, at five in the morning to go to practice, and they've been. You know, it's sitting in those ice cold rinks because at that hour there's no bodies in there, so they are cold and and they watch their kids grow up. And but have you met a, a mom who is this involved in her sons? And and it's and, not just Seth because she's got Caleb over in uh, Edmonton as well. And without being obnoxious about it, because there are other hockey parents who are. Um, Less uh, convivial personalities, shall we say, um, a little more, um, oh, I'll use the word, toxic. Like mm. like a certain well-known center whose father was <laughs> on the ice before the coaching staff and a third of the players when they won uh, the cup. Um, or another well-known player who got identical tattoos with his father. I thought that was the same guy. No. No. <laughs> Wasn't there – wait a minute. Isn't there the a one whose father mom? was first on the ice has played his entire season – his entire career in one place. Okay. Uh, the one with the identical tattoo to his father. That uh, one was – That one uh, – that one is playing down south at the moment. He was traded, yes. Um, there's another one that was traded and – uh, the indication the indications are that mom was uh, uh, heavily involved. He- yes, in her son's um, career. Also, and, two sons. And, yes, and she also has two sons. Yes. Yeah, that one seems to have mellowed out or possibly been muzzled, but um, you don't hear as much about that individual anymore, thankfully. Although, if he wanted to make a return to his original franchise. Uh, the local fans would never let him hear the end of it or would start talking about it all over again. That's true, too. Yeah, uh, I, think so that, I think that's why he hasn't returned, because talent wise, he's there. Yeah, he's where he needs to be. Mama Jones. I like the fact that she refers to her as her, refers to herself as the Jones family CEO. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. She, if you're not following Amy Jones on Twitter. I didn't I listened to Mike and I followed her and yeah she's just she's the best she's just a lot of fun she's a lot of fun yes that's the good, best way to put it she's a lot of fun and it's and at Amy Jones underscore three underscore zero three and 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 she's not shy about giving her opinions either because when they when they traded Felino she was deeply hurt by it and she said that you know it, this this is going to hurt the team i mean they did it for reasons that they had to i mean the team was going to be a seller they're not making the playoffs but she's not shy about letting herself be known but most of the time yeah it's fun she's tweeting out pictures of seth smiling and tweeting out pictures of seth and caleb when they were kids and, and <laughs> i mean it's she just enjoys 
what she's doing, and we enjoy reading it. Absolutely. Um, so goals or goalies? Goals for goalies. Goals or goalies. Do we want to go to a first goal, or do we want to talk about the two goalies on oh, the board? Let's talk about the first goal, because that was such a pretty one. Um, so we the other day we tweeted extensively about Taylor Hall getting a magnificent feed from David Krejci. Oh, um, yes. To pot a goal that you still need to get it in, and he made it look good. Cole Caulfield, who has scored slightly fewer goals than Taylor Hall, um, got well, his first, yeah. and it's a game winner. Um, and this pass feed. is very nearly as good. What a feed from Petri. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so to set the scene, there's 239 left in overtime. And Habs and Sens, or Habs and Sens. Habs and Sens. Uh, it, it's tied at 2-2. Two to two. You've got... Caden Primo in net for Montreal. You got uh, Hogberg in net, I believe, for the Senators. But the one thing that, that, that I saw at the beginning of the video and they made mention of was the fact that Brady Kachuk had been out there the whole overtime period. Multiple two minutes. minutes. Yeah. Two minutes, 21 seconds at the, at, this, at, at the particular time this video is, you know. And Brady Kachuk is actually responsible for Jeff Petrie at this point on the ice as he's coming down the left side. You've got Jake Evans at the blue line, rookie. And you've got Cole Caulfield coming down the right side, rookie. (laughs) And Petrie just basically skates into the left faceoff dot and makes this backhand pass across – the best thing that could have happened at this point is either Kachuk needed to take Petri out of the out of the picture, you know, a check, a poke, yep. or Hogberg needed to poke check that puck away. Yes. But the pass was just delightful, and all Caulfield basically has to do is redirect it behind him. Bye bye. There have been like that's a great <laughs> pass from Petri, who I don't have necessarily the highest opinion in the world of. But the number of guys in the league who could make that pass very consistently, like we're talking like 18, 19 out of 20 times to come through the league in the last 30 years. Well, the thing is, it might be a number in the 20s, like total 20, 25 guys in the last 30 years. And I think that may be too high. But that pass, that pass is ridiculous. The, and the key to the the key to the, the fact that make that that adds that degree of difficulty is that it's on the backhand when he pass he's he's a he's a right-handed shot coming down the left side he yep. makes that pass on the backhand backhand in backhanders, motion backhanders are typically even like when you're backhanding on net backhanders typically are not anywhere near as accurate as being on your forehand and there tends to be a little bit more wobble in the puck. Um, but you watch this puck. It lands right where it needs to for Caulfield to score. It, his execution was still perfect. He wasted zero time. He hit the puck at the, ex- at the right moment to get it where it needed to be to end the game. 
So great Imagine. pass by Petrie, who's been around the NHL for a good amount of time. And Cole Caulfield, you have your first, and it's a memorable one. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. And that was a home game for Montreal. That was in the Bell Center, was it not? Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think the local fans are going to think well of you for a little while longer. Yeah, and, and, and for for Ottawa, I mean, yeah, leaving Brady Kachuk out there, I understand that, you know, He's, one he's of a great top, player. He's one of your top players, but two minutes and 21 seconds is a bit long to leave uh, one of your top players out there. Ottawa is going to be a scary team in two years. Soon. Soon. Two years time? <clears throat> I'd say it's two years. Uh, I'd say that's a good number. If they get really, really creative and aggressive this offseason and manage to sign the right piece or two. It could be next year. I mean, the kids that they got on that team with Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris and Colin White. And don't forget, uh, possibly the best defenseman in Canada. Yeah, the, the Thomas Shabbat, really? Best defenseman in Canada? Name me three better. In Canada or in the NHL? In Canada. Ooh. That's a tough one. Exactamundo. Um, Mark Giordano? Oh, okay, that's one. Even if I, whether I agree or disagree, I'll give you that one as at least worthy of consideration. Well, he has won a Norris Trophy. Although depending on your opinion of the Norris Trophy. Okay, but where are the other two? I'm trying, actually, that's what I'm trying to think. Like, uh, are you going to make an argument for uh, Weber? <sighs> you know I love Shea Weber. You can't do that. That's not fair. But you can't make <laughs> the argument right now, can you? No, not at this point in his career. I can't. I still think, I mean, Shea Weber, for all his experience... You can't top his his on ice experience, but yeah, physical ability. His shot is better, but that's probably about it. He's probably be- he's probably still slightly better in his own zone, but overall, yeah, total package. Josh Josh Morrissey. No. no, I'm trying to think of who's on like Edmonton. Nobody. I mean, uh, you could make. <laughs> I, I'm willing to listen. I'm actually willing to listen to. A uh, case for Nate, Nate Schmidt as being in that same arena. Oh, that's right. Vancouver, Nate Schmidt. Yeah. And I can hear uh, the angry emails uh, to <laughs> those two at two man for dot com uh, about Quinn Hughes and our total our total disrespect for him. But I'm not totally disrespecting him. Those, I just don't think he's better than Shabbat. <laughs> please send those emails. Uh, we do want to see them. Um, yeah. Okay, so there's a list of three that I would consider being in the same level. Okay, that's and fair enough. And if you put the four of them onto an all-star team for that division, you might have a really scary team. I still say, first of all, like I said, they're going to be... They're going to be scary really yeah. soon. Yes. 
because they have talent up and down their roster on both the blue line, the forward lines, and hopefully they manage to pull someone uh, in for the back end uh, to make them a viable team. And oh yes, uh, this year they have two for they have a first and two seconds. And that second is the second second is the Sharks. So they're going to be drafting high twice in the second round this year, uh, assuming they don't move anyone. Um, and next year they have two for two seconds as well. And a, and a second third. <laughs> I don't know what to do, but laugh. yeah. They're, yeah. Okay. So they're not only are they young and getting better, but They've got capital for the future. Okay, scary. I mean, yeah, they do have Matt Murray, who has won a Stanley Cup at, in net, and they have Phyllis, uh, Philip Gustafson, Marcus Hoberg, Anton Forsberg uh, behind him. I don't think Forsberg's sticking around. I was looking at their goaltending situation. I mean, unfortunately, they've given Matt Murray money. Um, there's got, Kevin Mandelis, who's on their taxi squad. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Joey Decord, I think is going to stick around. And they, um, and they drafted Mad Sigard recently as well. Yeah. I, I don't think Anton Forsberg is going to be sticking around. It, it, Probably not. Not with that many guys <laughs> under 24, under 25. But this is a team that. When they turn the corner, and I really think that they will, um, because the younger guys are showing who they can be, mm-hmm. and it's 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 way easier to find middle or bottom six guys who can play in the NHL than top six, top top three guys. And I think they have that future, that future effective top and- six. And it's funny you mentioned you mentioned Shea Weber and and you know you're not as big a fan of Jeff Petrie, but Cole Caulfield on Montreal. Montreal's got some decent young players too. I mean Jake oh, Evans is still Jake Evans is is not quite the offensive threat that that Nick Suzuki is, but he's a he's a middle six winger, middle six center slash winger. You got Kutkanyemi who's a coming into his own at center. You've obviously got Cole Caulfield. So they're getting younger and strong and better as well. I, I mean, I'd like to see what they do. They got Romanoff on defense, Alexander Romanoff, who nobody talks about. And he's been a healthy scratch a couple of times because he's just, he's still learning the American game, I think. But they're looking younger and better. And again, I've talked about Caden Primo multiple times in net. You have uh, really, I, I, I think so. I don't, I don't remember that at all. I think so. He played here in, in Massachusetts somewhere too. So, and I think he won a national championship. Huh? I could I be wrong. Remember that. Okay. But I mean, Montreal's getting younger. They, I don't know that they're on the same track as Ottawa at this point. I think Ottawa is going to be better than better quicker, but Montreal's getting younger and, and they're, they're getting there too. So I think that once the divisions get back to normal, and it's going to be interesting for the, the local home team as far as 
the and other There's teams. another question. Should the divisions get back to normal? Mm. And should they res- I don't I, I stated earlier that I don't want them to go back to playing all every team. But I would love to see the two conferences playing 70%, 75% of their games in conference. Okay. I mean, that may be a question for another time. That's, we a, should, that's a question we should have a guest host for. Whether we should have another, whether we should go back to the way the divisions were originally set up or keep them in some semblance of the way they are now? Do we keep all the, do we segregate all the Canadian teams into one division? <laughs> I have ideas, which shocks nobody. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was going to say, and you're trying to shock who at this point. Um, I'm thinking of where do we go next? Um, The goaltenders. Ah, goalies. Uh. The first one that, well, I'm talking about goaltenders who have had had storied careers, like the um, one that just announced his retirement. Yes, um, you had found that story. I had heard about it and completely forgot to it, forgot it by the time I got to the to the desk because uh, I the, was working way too late at my day job. Only the best American goaltender in the last. Forever. Yeah. Okay. Well, arguably forever. He doesn't. He does not own a cup. He does not own a gold. Uh, but which he is, is finishing. But does that? I mean, I don't does know. That mean he's not going to get. A lot of it has to do with the teams you play on, and uh, Buffalo for most of his tenure was terrible, and that's unfortunate for Ryan Miller. Ryan, but Ryan Miller this week did announce that at the end of the season he will retire. Not surprised by it. He hasn't had the strongest of seasons this year. And, and and it's a tough season to begin with. And Gibson's been out. He's actually played a bit more than I think even he expected. Um, but the Anaheim Ducks not being good may have had something to do with it. Plus, he is 40 years old. He's played in 794 games. Which is absolutely ridiculous for a goaltender. And some of the teams he's been with, well, okay, not some, all. He's been with Buffalo. Um, okay, ouch. He's been with St. Louis Blues. He's been with the Vancouver Canucks. And now with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, he did win a Vesna with the Sabres back in 2009-10, the year before the Bruins won the Stanley Cup. Yep. Uh, that was also the year, no, was it the year that he was, um, or was he actually railroaded? No, railroaded's not the right word, but uh, trucked in, or was that the Stanley Cup year? Because he's never going to live down the fact that Milan Lucic ran him over. No. Um, <laughs> I don't remember for- what year that was, but he's not going to live it down. It's it's going to be there, and I hate to tell Ryan and I would tell him it, it, it was his own fault. <laughs> I, we know you'd tell him. Uh, but this is a guy who's finishing with 391 wins on some pretty terrible teams. 
in 800 games. I mean, he's got a couple more games left to the year, and hopefully he gets to add to that win total, maybe even hit, uh, if there's if they have enough games left, maybe he even hits that 800 game played. Uh, the next nearest goaltender, just to give you an idea of how long he's played and how much he's played, because he was a flat-out workhorse for most of his tenure in Buffalo. He's played 795 games to date. Brian Elliott's next game will be his 500th NHL game. The gap, so the gap is about 300 games. He's, uh, I mean, the stats continue. Brian Elliott is another. Yeah. Jonathan Bernier, 393 games, is third on the list. And then Freddie Anderson at 392. Uh, He's got a way to go. And the next nearest guy who's good, or the next nearest guy is Andre Vasilevsky, and he's at 299. Miller will retire second in shutouts, 44, and the 794 games played among U.S.-born goalies. Uh, in the Vancouver Olympics, he went 5-1 and one with a 9.46 pay percentage, unfortunately losing in the overtime game to Canada, but yet still named best goaltender and most valuable player in those 2010 games. As he should have been. I mean, he was he was phenomenal. He I ranked, don't use those words very often. He was phenomenal. He ranks 14th on the NHL's win list and 12th in saves and 19th in games played. Uh, so it looks it looks like he wants to continue working in hockey. He wants to break into player personnel and team management. So he's not going. He's got a job lined up. I was going to say he's not going away. It's not like he's going to disappear. Uh, He just doesn't want to wear the pads all the time anymore. (laughs) Tired of having galvanized rubber shot at him after, I don't know, 14 years or so. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's been playing goalie his whole life, so. It could be as many as 35 years of his life having vulcanized rubber coming at his face. Uh, it, but even like the active wins list, Sergei Bobrovsky is second right now. And he's again, nearly a hundred games, uh, nearly a hundred wins behind. Um, 14 career save percentage. Which probably actually took a little bit of a dip when he got the out. The last to, two seasons, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, even even allowing for the last two seasons, he'd played so many games ahead of time ahead of that that it was probably a minimal change. Um, a couple of other milestones we should really talk about real quick. Uh, um, Alex Ovechkin, five games away from his 1,200th NHL game. Um, I don't remember if he'll get there this year. Ryan Suter is eight games away from his 1200th. Uh, I don't believe there's enough games left. Getzlaff, two games away from 1100. That should happen. Jeff Carter, Ooh. 10 games away from 1100. Uh, Paul Stasny, who I occasionally forget is still in the NHL, uh, is five games away from his 1000th. 
I don't. Even, yeah, he and, and I mean, he he made the return trip after going to Vegas. He's made the return trip back to Winnipeg. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Stastny drafted by the local team? Mm, I don't think so. I think that was a different Stasny. Oh, uh, okay. I know a Stasny was drafted by Boston. I just don't remember which one. Uh, we I think we actually drafted a worse Stasny. Oh, okay. Well, Ryan Miller was drafted back in 1999 and has been in the NHL since 2002-2003, so... How about um, Stasny was drafted by the Avalanche. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. I know. All right. Okay. Uh, The other goaltender that you were talking about is actually hometown goaltender that I'm kind of upset because I happen to like Yaroslav Halak better than Tugarask in case I haven't said that before. No, you haven't. Never. Not even once. Uh, The Stastny you were thinking of is Jan Stastny. Ah, yes. Eighth round, 2002. um, Played all of 21 games, uh, acquiring exactly two points and 19 penalty minutes in the 06-07 season for Boston. Ah, yes. Ah, but... It's nice. It's nice to have options, and here in Boston, especially in net, they do have options. Uh, but Yaroslav Halak was out in the protocol, and Mr. Rask was nursing a back injury, so we had our two younger goaltenders come up, and and Dan Bladar did exceptionally well until the eight-one drubbing that was heaped upon him by the Montreal, the Washington Capitals. Jeremy Swayman has done uh, equally remarkable, but now Halak and Rask are back. And Halak has appeared to become the odd man out here in Boston, and I don't understand why, except for the fact that Bruce Cassidy has come out and said that Halak is the odd man out and he's going to get a chance to play. Well, that doesn't answer any questions. Why is he not playing now? I understand that we have Jeremy Swayman. I understand that Jeremy Swayman is good, but you have two guys that you're paying multiple millions of dollars to. And yet you're playing the guy who's. Uh, should be actually in Providence getting plenty of playing time as opposed to sitting on the taxi squad and warming seats. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't really like either Vlader or Swayman, uh, being on the taxi squad. Uh, I can't, I, I, I just don't understand why Halak's not playing. I mean, I understand that he's in the last year of a contract. So is Rask. You're going to have Sweeney's going to have decisions to make. But this is a guy who's shown in the past that uh, he's a pretty good goaltender. And you've got him opening and closing the door. 
while the 22-year-old is actually out there playing. I know that I'm going to upset some Boston fans, but right now it's not yet Swayman's time. Next season, sure. But right now, Yarrow Halak should be playing. Absolutely, because realistically, the Bruins have not yet clinched. But when they do, there's the chances that Swayman is going to be the number one or the number two goaltender going into the offs, uh, in the playoffs really low. Really low. I love what he's done. I'm not even I'm still really happy with what Bladar did, because even leaving aside that even allowing that eight, nothing, eight, whatever drubbing that the Bruins laid down for. And yes, yeah. it was the Bruins laying down. Um, he played reasonably well in that game. Um, was it his best game ever? No, it wasn't. Was could I say that the majority of the goals were his fault? Absolutely not. He had a couple, there were a couple of goals that went high, like right over his what left shoulder um, that were stoppable. And there were a couple of other goals that no one was stopping. Um, But it generally speaking, it improves your chances of stopping things if there's actually useful NHL players in front of you and they're at least try. Again, that said, go ahead. No, I just, that said, you've got the playoffs coming up and you're going to have to make some kind of choice. Is Swayman, is Swayman the guy that you want with no, NHL playoff experience over Yaroslav Halak? For me, no, not unless the only way that is viable is if Halak comes out and absolutely lays eggs in two games, uh, two or three games between now and the end of the season. Or if there's some hidden injury that they're not talking about for Halak, and it doesn't sound like that's the case from what, uh, from what from uh, Cassidy has said. Yeah. He, Cassidy came it's, it, in the Boston Globe article. It said, Cassidy said, yeah, he's getting, he's getting pushed out right now. He, he's the, he's the odd man out, you know, and yes, he will get playing time. Well, sooner than later would be a good idea. Yeah. As of right now, there's only six games left. Um, even if you want to do a strict rotation among all three goaltenders, that's only two games apiece. Get at it. Yep. Uh, we do have uh, just a couple of other quick uh, hitters. Okay. Um, so in the next few minutes, certainly before the show goes out, I will be putting up a Twitter poll asking a really, really interesting question. Um, mm-hmm. Those of us who have gotten a chance to see him on one of his, uh, what is this now, four NHL teams, um, probably have fairly firm opinions on uh, on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest of the league, maybe not. Uh, they Or at least certainly opposite positions. As of right now, 
Uh, Zidane Chara has played 1,603 NHL games because, uh, wow. yes, he's been around a little while. Uh, he has nine games behind Ray Bork on the all-time list. Um, he is 32 games behind Scott Stevens, who is in 10th place. And he is at present uh, about 100 and, uh, 171 games behind Patrick Marlowe. That's um, wow. That's like a little over. That's, that's three seasons. Over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he needs to play three more seasons to, uh, to get to the how number or the, um, or, um, Marlou's number, which will go up by a couple of games between now and the end of the year. I don't see Marlou coming back next year. Just don't. Um, okay. Fair enough. I, I, I tend to agree actually. Um, do we think that Zidane Chara, uh, will actually, uh, actually it's just over two seasons. So, eh. If he, assuming he plays 70 games in each of the next two seasons, and then he really would only need to play like 25 in the season after that. Nah, 30. If he, 30. If, he, okay. if, he, if he plays 70 a season, that's 140. He's 170. So, yeah, he needs to play another 35 or so games. Plus however many games Patrick Marlowe plays. Well, yeah. to get to, to, get, to cross Gordy Howe's number. He's gonna need he's gonna need two plus seasons. Two plus, just over two seasons. Um, if he, in order to get to to cross Marlou's number, um, and Marlou is again still playing and at a ridiculous age. Marlou is, what is he, forty one? I believe so. Um, Zdeno Char, uh, yeah, Patrick Marlou is forty one. Uh, he will turn forty two in September. Char is uh, already 41, 42. No, he's almost 44. 44? What? Yes. Uh, he'll be, I believe he's, he'll be 44 he's, he's this, pushing, sem- he, this he, August. He's he, 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 he's pushing Yarame Yaga there. <laughs> no, no, he actually is 44. Wasn't Yaga uh, he, like 45 was and in still March. playing in the Wasn't Yaga 45 and still playing in the NHL? And, and Yaga has decided not to retire. He hasn't officially retired from hockey yet. He has not officially retired. He wants to play at least one more season. Um, so Zdeno Chara just turned in phenomenal shape. I'm sorry, <laughs> but so the question is, and the, uh, I'll have the poll up in a few minutes. Okay. Do we think Chara can also at least hit the how number? I think based on his conditioning and willingness a- to play. If they can keep him around the 18, 19 minute mark, he can almost play indefinitely because he's in ridiculous shape. Like cardio. I, I was. Yeah, I was going to say and I don't like I don't like to use the word freak because it's got negative connotations. But the positive connotations that go with it, the man is a physical freak. He's, he's a specimen. He's I mean, on the far, far end of the of the bell curve for human condition. At what, 30, 35 plus, 37, whatever he was years old, and he's still doing 30 plus chin ups and basically beating every other player on the team. And if, if, if you watch the Chara at 1000 or whatever it was. Yeah. And they talk, I mean, 
this is a guy who he's he's beating the young kids and at a young man's game. Hit, even after he beat the young kids, he still did a couple more, and they were like, "You can't do another." He's like, and he, "It's like, are you kidding me? This guy is just a machine." <laughs> okay, so last game, May first against Pittsburgh, a team that's pretty fast. He played 21 minutes and 26 seconds. And he's still playing 21 minutes a night. I mean, most of the games this season have been significantly lower. Oh, okay. um, but he's got multiple 20-game seasons, 20-minute uh, twenty game, uh, games in a compressed season. In a regular season where you're playing three three nights out of seven instead of every other night or as many as what has Boston had in some stretches five games in seven nights. Yeah. He's back at that 20 minute mark without having to work without it being that much of a strain. So (laughs) that, that is your poll question for the week. That's going to run from about a minute from now when I uh, actually put it together right through say nine 30 AM on uh, next Sunday, uh, just before the show starts. Um, and it will be, uh, the tweet link will be in the, um, show description. Take a look at Amy Jones, uh, tweet. Um, hopefully we'll get some clarification on, uh, the Jake Vertanen and Jonathan Druin situations. Um, check our Twitter feeds for that. And, uh, last but not least, I have not gotten a chance to watch the games, but the U18, um, men's tournament is going on in Texas and the brackets, uh, for the playoffs, of are Russia, Belarus in one game, Canada, Czech Republic in another Finland, Switzerland and us, Sweden. Um, and those games start, uh, and run through the uh, start tomorrow, run through the sixth, um, Anything else? Who's your seventh player award winner? Oh, I, I've tweeted about this we, a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Um, and we we'll almost certainly week. hear about it in the next few days. Uh, who the league is announcing or the team is announcing. Yes. I think there's only one player who you can make a really good case for exceeding expectations and at, at, on a consistent basis for the entire season. I would love to give it to Smith. No, nope. I think there's a great case. Um, I think that there's a couple of the younger defensemen who have been in and out of the lineup because of injuries and whatever, who you can make a case for. I know who you want to give it to. Who do I want to give it to? Uh, well, around the rest of the NHL, they call him little ball of hate, but no, it's actually not. I, I see. Ooh. I don't think that he's Ooh. actually exceeding expectations. See, that's why that's why I didn't pick him either. Um, but I know I know who I want. Who do you want? Uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna agree, and that's fine. I don't care. Okay, I'll give you mine first. Yes. When you look at the players who have been here all season, yeah. Based on. And this is one metric. It's not the best metric. It's not the worst metric. But based on cost per point, 
the best player. And this is a guy who at one point led the team in goal scoring. Okay, he's so been hey, physical. You put too much thought into it. Okay, go ahead. Uh, he's been physical. He's been consistent. He's actually played every game this season, which is a feat all by itself. Jared, oh, my goodness. You're going to give it to him. Okay. Nick Ritchie. I knew you were going to say that. Yep. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't like it, but it's I, I don't think that there is a I don't I genuinely don't think there's another choice. Um, I, I, I sadly enough, you actually make a cogent argument. I don't think people are because uh, it, it's a fan vote. Yes, I don't think that people are going to think it through as far as you know, dollar per point and all that stuff. Uh, my pick based on did they exceed expectations and you're right. My pick did not play the entire season, but I honestly believe that because of the way he stepped up, I want to see Connor Clifton get it. I could live with that. I could literally live with that. We both know that, uh, Cliffy hockey is some of my favorite hockey (laughs) on the planet. Love Cliffy hockey here at the two man project. (laughs) I, I mean, there's, Probably about six guys who you could legitimately make a case for. I didn't even think of Nick Ritchie, but you're right. He 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 actually has done more than I expected. I I expected played up and down the line. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Like it, don't like it. I can't disagree with it. I mean, personally, yes. I, I think Cliffy Hockey for what they've done as far as what they've asked of him you know since he stepped into the lineup and then he played well enough that they couldn't actually put him out of the lineup they made him a healthy scratch once I think it was last week and it was like the first time and I don't know how long but yeah he's been he's been great another guy who it shocks me to say this and you are sitting down, and you probably need to hold on to for yeah. this one. Yeah, okay, I'm holding. <clears throat> he needs to at least be considered. If you say Jakob Zaboro, I'm going to have to. <laughs> He's played 40 games this year. Who? Lausanne? No, Zaboro. I, see, I don't. You're making an argument for Jakob Zaboro. Oh, my goodness. I'm making it's an argument for Jakob Zaboro. Okay, my expectations were that he would never see the ice or be as bad as John Moore. Actually, so, yes, he exceeded those. Yeah, actually, that's true. He has exceeded the, the fact that I never expected him to be on the Bruins. <laughs> so uh, in that case, he does win the award. <laughs> I mean, if Camper had played more games, you could make an argument for him, but he's only played 19 games. But he still picked up two goals, I think one of them a game winner, uh, and five points in that time. I honestly think that. Uh, and, but Lozon, yes, if if they if they end up handing the award to Jeremy Lozon, I'm all for it. Uh, let's. I, I think I don't think no he's arguments. played. I, the, I think the injuries. It, I, and I'm and I'm going to say the same thing about Grizzly. To be honest, I thought that Grizzly was going to win it this year just because he's had to step up because of the whole no Krug and this and that and everything else. But then he went down with, he went down, he got himself hurt and he hasn't played. So I don't know that Grizzlick's going to get it either. I mean, but yeah, there are a handful of players that you can make the argument starting with again, Nick Ritchie and Connor Clifton. I think those are your top two in my I, opinion. 
I, I will absolutely go along with Connor Clifton. You know that. Um, a couple of guys who should not be getting it. I don't think Chris Wagner has had a good year. Um, no. no, I don't think he's done. Uh, we're not, not even going to talk about Jake DeBrusque. Uh, Jakey. Oh, goodness. Um, the only other player who I think probably you can make an argument for. Can you make an argument for Craigie? Maybe. The season that he's had? He's had a great season. He has. Uh, but yeah, the other that's guy. That's what I'm can you make a good, can you make the Can you make an argument for him, though, because he's a veteran, that he's, quote, unquote, exceeded expectations? Particularly given that he went back to, you know, 2000 uh, to the cup winning playoff form the the minute they put him together with Hall and Smith. Uh, I mean, he'd been really warm the week or two before that, but he's been he's been red hot since he's loving Hall on that wing. I'm sorry. Craig Smith has been there, but since Hall has showed up, he's loving Hall on that wing. He must be. Oh, there is no doubt about that. But the other guy, and if he had played more than uh, more games, I would happily hand him the seventh player award and tell everyone else to get stuffed. Uh, but he's not going to win it this year, even though he's a really popular guy. Mm. Kevin Miller, absolutely better than could be expected. All of yeah. the time that, he's, that he was out to come back and look like a legitimate middle pairing, maybe a number four NHL defenseman from shift one, not just physically, but he was making the right choices defensively and making the right choices in outlet passes. Is his injury time this season going to affect that though? Yes. He's only played 24 games. Um, He, as Dominic Tiano pointed out this morning, he needs to play two more NHL games to get to be eligible for a significant number of a significant dollar amount of bonuses. Um, And but um, so of those six games, they better. Oh, he needs to play in four of those games. Sorry to get uh, just over a quarter of a million in bonuses. Okay. They need to play him those four games like they need to play him. I think he'll get signed to a new contract. I, re- I really do. Really? I don't think it'll be a great contract and it probably won't be in Boston, but he deserves those that he deserves those bonuses. Play him enough to get the bonus, and he's done. Yeah, what he's done this season is. Uh, it's completely unexpected. Yeah. I mean, he's legitimately the old guy in the room, the veteran presence, and he's not been a mascot. He's been a contributor. He's never been luggage this year. And that, ladies and gentlemen, go ahead. No, no, I I was just saying, no, he's he has not been when he's been on the ice. He has not been in any way a detriment to the team. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you. Uh, at Puck Sage. At the off wing. And we are out of time. Uh, as always, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week.